thing before I get to what I really want to talk about this morning. If you're going to fast, by all means do. If there's a, if there's a particular purpose of, of knowing God better or grieving over something personal or, or, or whatever, if you're going to fast, please don't try to get super spiritual about it. Um, don't do without drink for long. You know, People say, well, of course, if it's a fast, God will keep me healthy. Uh, God does expect you to use your brain as well. Okay. If you have a health issue, especially if you're taking medication and you want to fast, seek medical advice before fasting. And please don't launch out into a, a long fast. Don't try 40 days and 40 nights in your first go. Uh, you know. Yeah. And do not fast out of legalism. Oh, fasting's a spiritual thing to do. I better do it. Absolute claptrap. Lent. Yeah, some people fast for Lent, you know. Yeah? I have to be, have to be told when Lent is, because I never remember. I never have. And I used to have these wonderful times when I, I mixed with sort of the other churches in a town where I was. They'd have these services for Lent, and I'm going, oh, right. I better find out what that's about then. And, and so on. Preparation for Easter. I understand all that. And if people want to fast in order to better focus on the death of the Lord, hallelujah. If people want to stamp it as a ritual, the church has to go through every Easter to prove a kind of spiritual point, then Lord deliver us, because ritual enslaves. Okay? Legalism always destroys. And what about today's reading? Basically, this is what the sermon would have said if I only preached on today's passage. If you're going to fast, behave in such a way that no one else has the foggiest idea you're doing it. It's not a tool for spiritual one-upmanship. It's a tool to know God better. And he'll bless you for it. End of story. That's what today's sermon would have said. But this brings us back to the point, doesn't it? If fasting is a tool to express deep things in our desire for God and our need for God, then let's park the tool for a moment, recognizing it's a useful tool, and let's ask more fundamental questions about that desire and need for God. Have you ever been lovesick? Have you ever been so in love with another human being that you just couldn't eat? That nothing, nothing, whatever was happening, you just couldn't, you just thought, ever been there? Some of you, I think, some of you are embarrassed because you happen to think you ought. <laughs> and some of you are embarrassed because you have, you're not going to own up to it. But. Have you ever grieved over the loss of someone so much that you just couldn't eat? Have you ever been so ashamed of your own actions that it's devastated you to the heart and food just, you can't face it? Have you ever? Now we're beginning to touch on the, the real stuff, you see. Because the, the act of fasting is meant to draw us into the recognition that it's deep stuff which causes us not to want to eat. 
Now, you put that in a, in a direction towards God. God, um, God, I, I need to know you. God, I, I'm facing an issue in my life that I don't know the way through. And I need to hear you. I need to hear you. God, I, I've let you down in such a, such a terrible way. I don't know what to do with myself. And I understand repentance, but I'm devastated deep within the core of my being. God, I, I need you. You see, we are in a, we're a state where the church in this country is heading in two directions, both of which are incredibly dangerous. The one we're more familiar with, which is more our danger, if you like, but I'll talk about the other one first. We're in a state in this country where there's been so much emphasis on knowing God, so much emphasis on experiencing God, so much emphasis on God being my loving Father who would, you know, oh, you know, if God had a fridge, he'd have you in his fridge magnet and all that kind of garbage. So much emphasis on, on this kind of, uh, God's want to be known and it's in knowing him that we find a fulfillment. And so little emphasis on teaching and preaching the truth of the word of God. That we're breeding a generation. It wasn't that those who originally realized their need to know God wanted to do this. They were well-rooted. But it's always the next generation you fear about. Who don't have the roots because they haven't been taught. And the whole experience of worship becomes, becomes this touchy-feely thing where God's to be encountered and whoa, you know. And well, yes, we know what the Bible says, but it doesn't matter because we, we feel God. It's about, you know, all that kind of stuff. The church is riddled with it. The whole way in which huge, huge swathes of the church in Britain are heading towards stuff which the Bible teaches to be sinful and embracing it as good is astonishing. And it's because we've abandoned truth because somewhere along the line someone pointed out that this touchy-feely, isn't God nice thing was much better than truth. But we tend to have the other problem. Because as a church of, of our ilk, we are so committed and rightly so to the teaching of the truth of God's word. We become nervous of talking experientially about God. And if we're not careful, we bring up a whole generation of believers who know everything about the Bible and can talk theologically about God and can correct somebody else's theology, but they've had no encounter with him. And all that does in the end is lead to disillusionment and a whole swathe of young people who regard our kind of Christianity as hypocritical. We need to know God. When Jesus was turning people away who said they'd done miracles in his name and all that sort of stuff, what was the condemnation he heaped on them? He said, depart from me. I never knew you. And somehow we have to bring these two things together without abandoning either of them. The truth of God's word is vital. My current crusade, if you like, if I have one, is... I'm utterly convinced that the confusion which permeates our society and the world is the fact that years ago the church abandoned the ground of teaching creation. Because the, the evolutionists 
were reckoned to be, well, obviously they've got it right, we started saying things like, well, of course, it doesn't matter what those first few chapters of Genesis says. It just says God made things. No, it doesn't. It says an awful lot more than that. It says why God made things, how God made things, for what purpose God made things, the difference between male and female, for example, and the purpose of those roles. All, but we abandoned that. The church abandoned that and said it didn't matter anymore. And now we reap chaos. We need to stay true to God's word. We really do. I'm not diminishing that. But that in itself, without a living God encounter, without knowing him, without going deeper into the things of God, without experiencing his love, without coming in our heartbreak to him and feeling his comfort and knowing, we, we sang about feeling God's embrace. And I wonder how many people, as they were singing it, were thinking, ooh, I'm not sure about that. The embrace of God's a wonderful thing. It's a spiritual concept, obviously. But to know him, that's the point. And all too often, when we have a problem, we turn to scripture, which we should do, and try and work out all the boxes we have to tick to solve the problem. And we forget that what scripture does in those box-ticking exercises, if you like, is to draw us closer to the God who is the one who comes into our lives to solve the problems, to heal, to renew, to... to carry the burden of our heartache. Which brings me back to the question. Uh, how much do you want to know God? Really? Really? And that's where it's been a challenge to me, because for huge swathes of my ministry, it's been devoted to knowing God better. Really digging deep into his word, but also into spiritual encounter, into prayer, into, in, into longing for him and yearning for him. And if I'm honest, in retirement, a lot of that yearning has gone a little bit, just a little bit, uh, you know. But it can't be. Without him, without my living savior, Jesus, I am lost. And the only way I encounter that living Savior, Jesus, now is by his Holy Spirit. And the only way we in the Church of Jesus Christ is going to walk in the things that God would have us walk powerfully is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to seek him with all our hearts. Scripture's clear. If we seek him with all our hearts, we find him. Martin Lloyd-Jones many years ago said, we'll know when revival has returned to the church in England when the word Oh, returns to our prayers. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. It's not difficult. Well, I'll rephrase that. It's not so difficult if you're in a culture where you're under attack, where to stand for Jesus costs about everything, where almost every day of your life you're, you're fearful because to stay close and to know him is all you have. And, and you've got to stay there because you know there's no future anywhere else. But of course, we have so much else, don't we? We have so much else. Social media. <laughs> we have so much else. We have, we have so much entertainment. We have, uh, astonishing. I was reading a bit today of somebody about um, uh, the number of, is it 56,000 fast food outlets in this country? Thinking, all right, that's interesting, isn't it? 
and the number of people, including myself, who eat out now. When I was a child growing up, we never ate out. I remember a friend took us to the Cozy Cafe once in Northern Ireland, and I had sausage and chips. Sausage, as I said in those days, sausage and chips. But that was a, you know, that was a story to think of. Somebody would take you to a cafe and go, whoa. I was 16 years old when I first went to a restaurant with some friends. Terrified. Ooh, what are you supposed to do? Ooh, ooh. Now, now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with all that. I'm just saying there's so much else going on for us now. We're wrapped up in this entertainment-saturated culture, which satisfies us for a time. But God is so much more satisfying than anything. To know Jesus is the greatest thrill that's imaginable. And one of the reasons why so many Christian young people go off on a kind of thrill-seeking exercise is because they, they don't know Jesus. They've been taught about him. They can tick a few boxes about him. But they've never been brought or drawn into that realization that this is about a God encounter. This is about the creator of the universe revealing his heart to us, sharing himself with us, asking us to bring our burdens to him that he might be the healer, that he might be the restorer. It's not new, any of this stuff. You go through all the old hymn writers, through all the old hymn books, you'll find hymn writers who've, who've known about it. When I was young, we used to sing, he walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am his own. In the Salvation Army in Northern Ireland, they had a, a, a corps sergeant major who, actually the same bloke who took us to the cozy cafe, actually, who when it, when it was time for testimony, would stand up every week without fail and say, I was going down the road the other day and a song came to me. It was almost that song. He walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Then you get Graham Kendrick. All I once held dear, built my life upon. End of that, knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you. We, we sang some of the songs today, didn't we? Another one we could have sung. I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. We sing the words, but is it true? Is it true? Maybe one of the reasons fasting has become less of an issue for us or a legalistic thing we have to go through sometimes is that we've forgotten how to hunger after God. We've forgotten how to long for him with all our hearts. We've forgotten how to plead with him for this, this tragic and terrible world in which we live. We've forgotten how to be moved with the compassion of God in our souls when we see dreadful things happening in our midst. We, we've forgotten. So I, I bring it all back full circle. God wants you and me to be lovesick yeah. for him. For him. He, he, wants, he really does want us to wake up in the morning and our first thought to be him. He wants us to go to bed at night wrapped up in the knowledge and the security of his care. He, he wants us at, 
as we're facing the, the trials of everyday living, to be so close to him in the time we spent with him that it's easy access all the time. God, I need your help here. <laughs> I'm facing something. Lord, you know, please. And he wants us to bring all our burdens and all our trials and all our heartaches. And if fasting is a tool which helps you do that, then start fasting. If it doesn't, find another tool. But that's what the tools are for. Only that we might know God. I have a, a, a all the churches I've been uh, involved with strongly since I was a teenager, I pray for every day. Particular prayers for different ones. But for each of them, and this church included, I pray with all my heart that the Holy Spirit would pour himself out in love upon us so that we get consumed with a desire that is so great, nothing else matters anymore. That's what God's calling us to. Let me pray. Lord, nothing can take away your greatness. Nothing can diminish your holiness and your glory. And we, Lord, want to be true to you and true to your word. We don't want to depart from it in any way whatsoever. But Lord, above all that, we want to know you. We want to know your heart. We want to know your love. We want to experience your grace. We want to have our, our whole lives flooded with the light of your glory that we might shine for you. Lord, teach us Whatever tools are necessary, be it fasting, whatever, teach us how to be disciplined in longing after you. In Jesus' name, amen.